Welcome to the Lot Carey Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving podcast. I'm Reverend Dr. Jacqueline Madison McQuarrie, pastor of the First Baptist Church of New Market in Piscataway, New Jersey, and learning coordinator for Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving. The Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving weekly podcast grows from a multi-year journey among pastors committed to flourishing in ministry. This is a project of the Lot Carey Foreign Mission Society and is made possible through the generous support from the Lilly Endowment. Learn more about Lot Carey and how it helps churches to extend the Christian witness throughout the world at lotcarey.org. That's L-O-T-T-C-A-R-E-Y dot org. Join us for weekly conversations with pastoral thought leaders who share wisdom from the Black church for the whole church. Let's join Reverend Dr. David Emanuel Goatley, Associate Dean for Vocational Formation and Christian Witness at Duke Divinity School and the Project Director for Lot Carey's Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving. This week, He's in conversation with Reverend Dr. Marilyn Monroe Harris, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Teaneck in Teaneck, New Jersey. Dr. Marilyn Harris, thank you so much for joining us today as we talk about flourishing in ministry on our Pilgrimage of Striving and Thriving podcast. Dr. Goatley, it is truly my pleasure to be able to be with you on this podcast. Thank you so much for asking me to join with you and all the others who are coming on to share their experiences. You have been a phenomenal team leader uh, with our group of women pastors. Uh, We've got about 25 or so who've been on a journey uh, for a couple of years. And so, as you know, our assumption concerning flourishing in ministry is that every round does not go higher and higher, that flourishing in ministry requires both striving and thriving, and that flourishing in ministry can be understood like a tree. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there are leaves, sometimes there are blossoms, Sometimes the leaves are falling away and sometimes there are only bare branches, but still the tree can be healthy and thriving. So while that is one way of thinking about thriving in ministry or flourishing in ministry, can you talk to us about what flourishing in ministry looks like to you? This formula helps us look at it in a way that is realistic. Because often I believe that people believe that flourishing in ministry looks like numbers. It it looks like um, media. It looks like, you know, where your name may be. But I love this algorithm, if you wish, to talk about what we're saying about what it looks like. And especially the tree. I love trees. And so when I think about this, I think that flourishing in ministry in the symbolism of a tree, I like the roots. 
because the roots really talk about the health of the tree. Most of the time people think about what's above, what they see, what it looks like, but the roots are the health of anything, and especially ministry. And therefore, I really believe that to be something that even as we look in the Bible, it talks a lot about what our roots may be, whether it's Psalm 1 or Jeremiah 17, it tells us that you know, the, you know, we are to be able to understand that we should be like a tree planted by the waters, I want to say, that our roots go to the stream, that in any different season, it doesn't make a difference that even if things are dry, that our leaves are still green. And that, I believe, is what flourishing in ministry looks like. Because actually, the truth be told, that every round does not go higher and higher in a manner that it looks glorious. But if your roots are strong, and if your roots are deep, that the water plenishes you and you'll be able to make it. So flourishing in ministry for me is not about numbers. It is not about popularity. It is about the depth of the roots of the people that we serve and how we are allowing them to grow greater in Christ. And that, in order to do that, we who are with them have to grow greater in Christ. So to me, that's what flourishing in ministry looks like, to understand that our roots have to be deep, deep in the word, which continues to plenish us. And so therefore, I believe that it's not what necessarily is happening above ground all the times, but it's what's happening underneath. Because when the roots are strong, then the tree will be strong. We have our formula for flourishing that we've talked about that holds that if a pastor's leadership capacity plus the service context yields ministry content, there's a higher probability for flourishing. So we do not assume that we can just drag and drop a ministry model uh, from what somebody else is doing that is more organic than that. So could you talk to us a little about how your context of service informs your content of ministry? I'm bivocational. And um, as being bivocational, I believe that that definitely informs my service context, what do I do and where I am. And I believe that has allowed me to be able to have a greater capacity in ministry beyond just the, um, the building, but to wherever we are able to serve. And that has allowed us to be able to, that, that service context, that opening of the context has allowed even the capacity to be different and therefore has definitely informed my content of my ministry. Uh, the first thing I want to talk about is that in what I'm calling this formula, I like the fact that we're talking about capacity plus service context yields ministry content, not equals ministry content. As a, you know, I'm a scientist, my background in terms of that, but that's a difference. That, that's a very incremental difference, a subtle difference, but that's so important because it gives a yield and what is yield is important versus what it equals. And so we're able to yield over a period of time. And therefore I know that what I do, um, who I am, that's what it has to be. 
sometimes we may think of ourselves in boxes, as my mother used to say, but I believe that as um, who we are, not necessarily as pastors or whatever, but who we are as Christians or who we are carried wherever we go. So it's not just about what we do on a day like Sundays or what we do on our Sabbath, it's who we are all the time. And therefore allowing that to permeate and where we, where we are has allowed, I'm gonna say the context for where I serve, whether I am at the church or whether I'm at the job, I am um, in the healthcare field that has allowed ministry to flourish and therefore has increased a capacity in the sense that some who may have only seen us in one box or one place now see us differently and say, I believe, look what Christ is, look what Christ does, look what God is doing wherever we may be. And I believe that has definitely impacted, I'm gonna say, my ministry content without a doubt. You've mentioned uh, that you are a bivocational pastor. You work in the health field. Our lives have been seriously affected and impacted and disrupted uh, by the COVID-19 pandemic. Could you say a word about what the context of a big, nasty health crisis means to pastoral ministry? This health crisis, this big, nasty health crisis has turned pastoral ministry inside out. We have had probably different um, ideas or even formulas of what we thought ministry looked like, what pastoral leadership looked like. And I wanna tell you on March 13th in my area, March 14th, that turned upside down and inside out. We had a pivot in a, in a moment of time. It told us, and if you didn't know it, now you do know it, that you know ministry and uh, is not the building. It is about doing the work of Christ when we have to be able to come out of our building but still allow the work to go forth, how does that take place? It has allowed ministers to be in various places that I believe have us look at who we are as individuals, understanding what Christ uh, means to us and how we get through it. Often in pastoral leadership, we have so many different things I'm gonna say that are around us per se, but. Um, I, this whole thing has turned everything upside down in the sense, for example, what does church look like? What does the worship service look like? How do you, you know, contact and meet with people and, and keep uh, ministry alive when you're not coming together physically all the time? That is one aspect of it. One of the aspects that have really, really impacted me during this crisis has been the number of deaths that have happened in my area during the beginning of the pandemic. It was totally more than I think any of us could ever have comprehended at one time. I want to give you one example, if you don't mind, of a memory that I have. 
And this was when um, a loved one from our congregation had died and a couple of individuals had died closely together. And I was at the cemetery. And while I was at the cemetery waiting for the, you know, the interment, I couldn't believe the number of hearses that I saw. I could not believe the number of funeral homes. I Somehow I was thinking, I didn't know that there was that many funeral homes that existed. It was like we were having some type of reunion in the cemetery and it brought home to me how much we need each other and how much it went. And I thought about how deep it went for us who were burying our loved ones without what we understood to be the ceremony of saying goodbye. And that was so, um, I'm gonna say almost detrimental to me as a pastor, not to be able to do the things that we normally did. And I remember at that um, burial, it was raining and the storm came. I mean, literally out of nowhere, it began to storm. So much so that the cemetery had decided that we would not be able to um, you know, come together and go to the burial site and be able to um, give uh, and say words over the casket. And in all that we had been through and all that the family had been through, I actually said, no, no, I, no. Whatever's gonna happen, I'm going to commit this body to the ground. This is someone who we love and we're going to commit the body to the ground because it meant so much to me as the pastor and to them as the family. And I will never forget that because it made me think about this about who we are. As a church, it is a community where we come together. And this pandemic has taught us that we are to be able to love one another and tell each other how much we care for each other. And it began to let me know that the church is how we connect with one another. That's one of the aspects of the church, is how we're not alone in all that we do. So this pandemic has really allowed us to make sure to understand that it's not about the building, it's about the people. It's about how we share the love of Christ, not only to those who we know every Sunday, but those who may not know the love of Christ. A word to our listeners, Lot Carey's Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving podcast is funded by the Lilly Endowment through its Thriving in Ministry initiative. We'll be right back with more from the interview. Since 1897, the Lot Carey Global Christian Missional Community has helped churches to extend the Christian witness around the world. We collaborate with indigenously-led communities to bear good and faithful witness to Christ Jesus through ministries of evangelism, compassion, empowerment and advocacy in Africa, Asia, the Caribbean, Europe, North America, Oceania and South America. Together, we are touching lives with transforming love. You too can help to extend the Christian witness throughout the world. Visit us at lotcarry.org. That's L-O-T-T-C-A-R-E-Y dot O-R-G. Thanks for praying for and investing in the good news globally through word and deed. Welcome. 
Welcome back to the Lot Carry Podcast, Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving. I'm Reverend Dr. Jacqueline Madison McQuarrie, the Learning Coordinator of Lot Carry's Thriving in Ministry program. Each week in this podcast, my colleague, Reverend Dr. David Emanuel Goatley, interviews a prominent Black pastoral leader to gain insight for flourishing in ministry. Now back to more of his interview with Reverend Dr. Marilyn Monroe Harris, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Teaneck in Teaneck, New Jersey. Can you say a word about how capacity of a pastor contributes to the context of ministry? Thank you for that insightful question. Because you stated it as the capacity of I think you said the pastor or the capacity of the minister. And I believe that as a pastor, my capacity is not my individual capacity. That is the one thing, if nothing else, that this pandemic has allowed me to see. That it's not about who I am, it's about who we are. And so therefore the capacity has not been my limitations about how big my arms are or what I can do or who I know. It has been the capacity about who the congregation as a large know, who the community knows, what we can do. And that has been able to catapult, you know, to catapult, I'm gonna say, the capacity of the individual. So the capacity of the individual for the long term, for the sustainability of God's God's church, not our church, come on, it's God's church has to be about the individuals and how they're rooted and grounded in the Lord. And that extends the capacity. And so for all of us who are pastors who think it's about us, it's not about us. It's about the people whom we serve and how we allow that extension to take place. Yeah, the the way that you frame that uh, reminds me of uh, my my father of blessed memory, who was my pastor, and he used to talk about you always should talk about pastor and people together. Yes, uh, and further said you should always talk about church and community together. And it sounds like to me that when you talk about uh, the capacity. The capacity is pastor and people together rather than the capacity of the individual leader. When we talk about, you know, pastor and people and even understanding our capacity is what I call agape, our capacity to love. And I remember when, you know, I've been blessed to be the pastor of First Baptist Church of Teaneck for 15 years, now going on 16 years, uh, being the first female to be able to be in this um, position. And as I was blessed to be able to come on and to be in this position, my one of my mentors, um, where I did my supervised ministry, the Reverend James Arthur Scott told me that the one thing that you should always do is understand to love the people. And I began to understand what does that mean to love the people. And when you actually agape one another, when you actually, you know, love people with the love of Christ, our capacity is phenomenal because it goes beyond just the building and and into the community. But I believe it begins to change the world for who we are. Your uh, way of being a pastor that really emphasizes pastor and people together has been valued 
by other colleagues. As you mentioned, you're the first female pastor of the First Baptist Church in Teaneck, New Jersey. So can you say a word about those dynamics? When you talk about the, in terms of challenging what that means, I believe that it's not about our position. Position is nothing, position goes away. It's about how we serve. And therefore I have been blessed by uh, the fact that those whom I serve with, my male colleagues, and this is a very different because it's a, you know, as, as a Baptist, um, there are still some of our Baptist colleagues who do not believe that there should be a female pastor or a female in leadership. But therefore, there are those who understand that it's not about our gender, but about how we lead. And therefore, I've been able to work with my colleagues and my, um, my male colleagues to be able to lead the people. And I want to be able to say that I personally have not felt that this, you know, I'm going to call it the fight in ministry about male versus female was my fight. Because God says there's neither, you know, bond nor free, male, you know, male nor female. It's not about the gender, but it's about how we serve. And when we begin to love one another with the love of Christ and to serve for, the, for Christ and not for ourselves, that people will see that and call us to do what we need to do to move forward. And that is where I stand. And therefore, but I also believe that it is a time and opportunity to stand and to, you know, at this time to uh, maybe call some people to question and ask them why they still um, believe what they believe about male and female and leadership. Um, but I believe that's not my fight. I believe that when we serve and do what God has called us to do and that the people um, are able to move forward and God gets the glory, then God will make a way. I have to say to all that in this journey, and it has been a journey, it has not been a journey, which I said, oh, I want to be that title. I want to be something. The only thing that I wanted to do was to serve God. And then God opened the door and I was able to walk through it in a manner that I was able to receive by others. Just, just walk in your gift. Just do what God has called you to do. I also would say, stay in your lane, whatever your gift may be, and you know whatever that may be. But God is the one that elevates. God is the one. This is not preaching time, but that's the truth, that God does that. If you walk in your gifts, and the other part of it is, uh, Dr. Goldie, I really... Um, admire and lift up the gifts of others because it's not about me. So if, if, if you can sing and I can dance and somebody else can write and we put it all together, then the church, God is glorified. But it is my role to be able to say, oh my goodness, look at you. You're so great at that. Come on and do it. I'm an encourager. You, you do that. Come on and do it. And then we all get together when the day of rejoicing it shall be. That's what I do. I just bring people together. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, tell us about an area of leadership that you have had to develop as a pastor, because I'm assuming that you didn't arrive fully baked. Um, there are several areas that I have had to, and I'm still growing and developing in and pastoral leadership. The one thing that comes to me right away is that I'm an introvert. <laughs> 
I don't know, you know, introvert. And therefore, um, being in pastoral leadership called for me to pull that extrovert out of me or, or to go and to do things sometimes that felt uncomfortable and to be in places. And that is very difficult to be able to, you know, I had to grow into that and to do that. Another area of pastoral leadership that I still feel that I'm growing in um, because pastoral leadership is not preaching all the time. It is, it is administrative. It is, you know, being able to negotiate and to be able to bring people together. And I still feel that I'm growing, especially in how I would like my past, my preaching skills to be in terms of that, to be able to just express that in a way that I can grow forth and to feel freer in, in terms of that. Those are definitely a couple of the areas that I'm continuing to grow into as I'm on this journey of pastoral leadership and to, you know, that is so important. Um, didn't come fully breaked and definitely not finished yet. I'm still in the oven. And the other thing that, you know, on this journey and in the, um, I think it's very important that I have been blessed and, you know, blessed, because what does blessed mean? But to be in this space where I have been at the table, um, where other females not have not been able to be, that it's not about being the first, but you can't be the last. And it's about how to be able to open the door. And that door is about letting others know that there's others there. It's about, you know, come on somebody, you know, bringing others with you, exposing them to opportunities that they can be at. And, you know, saying to them, just, you know, just be here. You gotta be at the table. I like to say this, I'm not the first one who said this, but if you're not at the table, you are surely on the menu. And so that you have to make sure that when you're on the table, that you could be able to speak to those who may not be there and give voice to that in a way that it can be received by others. That's really important. What brings you the most joy as dancing. a pastor? Oh, <laughs> dancing. <laughs> I'm saying, when I say that, but it's bringing me joy is, 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 and I say dancing because my congregation knows and whatever, I love to dance because I believe it's an expression of who one is. And therefore, as a pastor, that brings me so much joy because it allows others to be free. It just me, you know, so that's what brings me joy. Um, and when I say that, it's because as a pastor, the thing that brings me the greatest joy is to see others growing in Christ, to see others knowing that, you know, God is everything. God is in our, our laughter. He's, he's in our, you know, administration. He's in our going forth. And to see people grow, to see people who would not even say a word, but now they're leading and talking and, and being able to encourage others, that is the greatest joy. And I, it is my desire, my desire, that when God, you know, moves me from this journey to the next, that I'll be able to look beyond and say, wow, look what the Lord has done with others. Look what God has allowed to mature and to develop, to be able to give God the glory. That brings me the greatest joy when I see someone who was, you know, wouldn't even say hello, but now they're leading and leading well. That's great. Hey, what's the best advice that you received about pastoral leadership? 
well, the best advice I received was what I mentioned a little bit earlier about, um, you know, Reverend Scott, James Arthur Scott, I would call his name. There were two, maybe three, um, but he told me basically in pastoral leadership to love the people, to love the people, because when you love the people, everything else will come forth. And I'm talking about agape. And that means there's different things that you have to find. But I believe that when you, when we are together, we see the Christ in all of us and you have to get beyond that. So that's one of the things. Um, I wanna say that Eleanor Moody Shepherd was one of the um, individuals that also helped my ministry advance I was a student at New York Theological Seminary, and I wanted to do my seminary internship right where I was at Mount Olive Baptist Church in Hackensack, New Jersey, where my pastor is, I call my pastor, <laughs> Reverend Gregory Jerome Jackson. Um, I wanted to stay there. And she was saying to me, you can't, you gotta go. You gotta fly. I have to push you out the nest. And that was one of the best things that ever happened to me in ministry because it allowed me to, you know, go out of my comfort zone to work with others that I did not know, but most of all, to find God's grace in the place where I landed. What word of advice would you like to give our listeners about what they can do to flourish in ministry? Thank you so much for this opportunity to be able to share my humble um, words with those who may be listening across the world, throughout the world. When it comes to ministry, I just wanna say what I say to all that I may come in contact with, enjoy the journey. Every moment, it's not about what you think others are doing. It's not about where you think you may be, but if you are just enjoying where you are and giving God your best, God will bring you places that you never thought that you would go. And I believe that's my witness. That's my testimony. I never, I think about it sometimes, I never expected to even have this opportunity to work with Locke Carey. You know, Reverend Jackson was always talking about going around the world and doing things with Locke Carey. And I was like, oh, I'd never do that. <laughs> but look what has happened just by serving. Because if you enjoy the journey and serve where you are, God opens the doors for you if that's what's to be. But most of all, if you enjoy the journey, you're finding joy right where you are. And that's what it's about. That's absolutely what it's about. Don't get to the point where you're trying to seek something and get to there and you missed what could have been right before you. Our conversation partner today on pilgrimages of striving and thriving is Reverend Dr. Marilyn Monroe Harris, the lead pastor of the First Baptist Church in Teaneck, New Jersey. Thank you, Dr. Harris. This has been a joy to listen and to learn with you today. Dr. Glutley, the joy is mine. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us today for Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving, a weekly podcast from Lot Carey as we listen in on conversations with prominent pastoral thought leaders. Join us next week for a conversation with a new guest and fresh insights. Wisdom from the Black Church for the whole church. 
I'm Reverend Dr. Jacqueline Madison McQuarrie. Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving is produced in partnership with Good Faith Media. Music by Makita McQuarrie. Share the word with those who need to hear it. Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving, wherever you get your podcasts. Also listen online at lotcary.org. Thank you.